Hi, I'm Gabby Logan and this is the II Family Money Show. In each episode, I speak to a famous face about the role money has played in their family life and professional success. I'll also get some practical tips from an expert to help you get to grips with your finances. In this episode, I'm joined by TV presenter Rachel Riley. Rachel's co-hosted long-running Channel 4 puzzle show Countdown since 2009, as well as its comedy spin-off 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. She also appeared on the 2013 series of Strictly Come Dancing, where she met her pro dancer husband and dad to their two daughters, Pasha Kovalev. Away from our screens, Rachel has just published her first maths book, At Sixes and Sevens, How to Understand Numbers and Make Maths Easy, which aims to give confidence to adults who struggle with maths and make the subject more accessible. In our interview, Rachel tells me how she switched from being a self-confessed maths geek at Oxford University to a TV presenter, why she believes numeracy can have a huge impact on people's lives, and the very different approaches she and her husband Pasha have towards money. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I was so excited when I heard that you'd agreed to come and chat to us because you are the perfect person to talk to really in this area because investment, finance, financial planning, all kind of comes down to your understanding, I think, of, of kind of numeracy and money and having a sense of kind of the value of things. So go back to your childhood for us, will you? And just tell us a little bit about your early years when it came to kind of understanding numeracy because you make it look fun was it always fun as a kid <laughs> um well I think it can be fun if you turn it into a game and my mum tells me ad infinitum um the story of when I was four years old and I used to have this little 80s style computer that I carried around and you had to do the sums you know really basic sums but as, as many as possible within a certain amount of time um and I just love that and I think math is one of those subjects that if you're good at it and you get this tick you get this buzz when you get the right answer and I got that at a really early age and, I, and people told me I was good and I got I felt like I got an inordinate amount of praise for something that I found relatively easy. And, and growing up now and trying to you know, promote numeracy, I can see how the counter side of that, if you're not numerate, if you're not confident with numbers and you get told at a really early age you're not a maths person or it's not for you, then you can switch off to it, which I think is really detrimental to both the individual who gets told that and you know, society as a whole who needs, we need more numerate people. And at home also, school is one thing and having a teacher that is brilliant and engaging. And then at home, if your parents have had an experience like that and they're not that into maths and numeracy, then they're not going to necessarily encourage you. But your mum did, didn't she? She was or your family were quite nurturing when it came to numeracy. Yeah, they were nurturing when it came to education. Um, I My parents um, didn't know the area where we were living. Neither of them were from Essex where I was brought up. So they sent me to, you know, a, what they thought was a good school, which was a good good school. And we had test exams at the end of every year. And mum would be there, you know, with me and my brother testing us on stuff. And, you know, again, it's that buzz of getting things right as a kid. Um, and hopefully that's what I want to install into my children, that an enjoyment of learning, because you've got to do it. <laughs> so if you enjoy something, you're going to want to do it more, you mean make more effort. Um, and fortunately, in, in the numbers department, I didn't have to make as much effort. I was just kind of, I had a couple of really great teachers that I remember you know one particularly in year five who who saw something in me and gave me extra stuff and I remember in year three it was too easy so my mum stormed into school and said you know my daughter needs to do more than two plus five and five plus two and you need to stretch kids and I think there's a Mm. fine balance when it comes to maths of making it too easy so the most talented kids will switch off whereas you should extend them and push them or making it too difficult and then you feel like you're listening to a foreign language for kids who are struggling because 
everybody needs that firm foundation of understanding where the numbers come from, how math works, and because it doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, and if you have those that firm foundation, then you can build upon it. And if you don't, you know, you might as well be sitting in a Japanese lesson for, you know, the next 11 <laughs> years of your schooling because you, you can't build on something that's not there to start with. And I think also it's it's understanding and seeing possibilities from maths, isn't it? Why, well, obviously, I know I need to get through life. I need to know how to add up. I need to know that I'm not being shortchanged. I need to know that, you know, I can pay my bills. But where maths can take you as a career is absolutely kind of, you know, there's there's, there's no end, is there, to the possibilities? Yeah. And also, it's not a subject that necessarily means, well, you do maths, you can't be good at the, the arts or creative. So, right. you know, look at Leonardo da Vinci, yeah. you know. So, so you, you have possibilities in so many areas, which sometimes doesn't come across I think. yeah I think maths is one of those subjects it's probably the most requested subject for university courses because of course you know across geography across all the sciences across all the medicines um you know there's, there's there's barely a subject you can mention that doesn't require some level of maths and you know there are some some statistics obviously that come out every few years of the, the more money you're potentially going to earn the more employable you are even some surprising things like mental health your mental health is is, is more likely to be good if you're good at maths. And on the counter to that, it's less likely to be good if you're not very numerate. Um, and it even has specific implications in terms of health outcomes. So numbers really does set you up for life. If you're a numerate person, you can pretty much use those skills, you know, in your work, in, in your home life, in your finances, helping your kids with their homework. It's going to be with you for the rest of your life and you're going to find it useful. So did you study pure maths at university? Was that was that your degree? I did. Um, it was just called maths. Right. So uh, I, when I was applying for university, I did. I was applying for maths with theoretical physics everywhere, except Oxford, um, who didn't do that. It was just maths. And then you, you specialise in stuff. So I was I did all the applied stuff. So I did um, quantum um, computing, quantum mechanics. Um, I did maths of the uh, mathematical biology and maths of the environment. So we're looking at um, how you model the environment and, and climate change using mathematical models, how you look at the body and, and how cancers grow using mathematical models. So I really like the use useful maths where you can see, you know, it, and, 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 you know, over the years, people invented maths, pure mathematicians invented, discovered whichever side of the debate you are. And then, you know, decades later, they find what physical entity it fits onto as new discoveries in science come forward. And I find that fascinating. And I think there are two distinct types of mathematicians, the people that love the beauty of an equation and, you know, all that kind of stuff, all that junk. I'm not interested. <laughs> you know, if you know, if you can recite pi to 13 million, whatever, decimal places, good for you. But it, it doesn't float my boat. I really like the nuts and bolts of you know, working things out for yourself and using that math to describe things in the real world. So you do all of that and you go to Oxford and then <laughs> at the age of 23, <laughs> you didn't do the course about countdown. I didn't hear yeah, you say that. You there was no like course Jimmy Oxford. Out. Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, tell me, tell me how, how you kind of made that decision. Because I imagine you wrestled a bit with that. Like, you know, you've got this incredible education and this brain, then you could do loads of different things. But also this tantalising prospect of doing this iconic math show. Yeah, well, like, in I've, I've watched Countdown since I was a kid. So you know, go back to the childhood, I'd get home from school and at four o'clock it was 15 to one and 4.30 it was countdown. I used to watch with my little brother and I love the numbers game. I'm, a, I'm just a puzzle geek, that's what I enjoy. Um, and I finished uni in the June um, and I was applying for loads of different grad jobs and most of them, you know, the application forms were like a novel. You know, when have you worked in a team? When have you tied your shoelaces on a Monday? Like everything they want to know. Um, and this one was 50 words and a photo 
for countdown and you know i never thought there was a, a job at the end of it it never clicked that it was a real tangible thing i just thought well i'll apply for it because it's you know why not um and didn't expect to hear back and you know 13 years later still going and i just thought i didn't know if i could do it but they thought i could do it they wanted to give me the job so trust them and if it all goes pear-shaped then i've got my degree to fall back on um which you know one day (laughs) i'm just waiting for that degree to fall back on but you didn't have through university a desire necessarily to be on tv wasn't that wasn't kind of your burning desire never 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 i mean i um i was a i was a maths geek at uni i spent my time cycling around doing playing football netball hockey you know never out of dreadful clothes sports sports gear you know everything (laughs) covered in my oriel college stash and um, I didn't do any drama presentation, anything useful for my job at all. So I've had to learn it all as I've gone. And thankfully, you know, when I got my job in 2008, I got it. Um, you know, there was no such social media. So <laughs> it's kind of a lot of bit more of a gentle entry into the world of presenting yeah. and learning your trade. You were just on the edge of social media, weren't you? Yeah, because I think Twitter was, you know, kind of becoming kind of something about a couple of years later. I would say that as well. I started out when there was no social media. I think it would have been very different being a woman in football um, if I'd had to look at social mm-hmm. media all the time. So so you you had that in your mind. Well, if it doesn't work out, I'll, I'll fall back. It has worked out beautifully, obviously. And there's Cats Does Countdown. There's 8 out of 10. There's Strictly Where You Met Your Husband. Yeah. And, and I'm sure many, many other opportunities. But essentially, you work in a world uh, which is, you know, you're, you're, you're at the whim of other people's kind of view of you, aren't you? And it's whether or not, well, I don't, you know, I like this person, I don't like that person. Mm-hmm. Do you feel secure in that? Because it's it's almost freelance, isn't it? It's almost like yeah. being a freelancer. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's been, um, especially, you know, I've had some trials and tribulations in the most recent few years. And, you know, you're, it's a strange thing that your popularity is, you know, your currency, really, because you have to be... Mm like to be booked onto shows to get work and you know at times it can be stressful um and I think it's a social media thing and I've got you know two little girls now and I think it's what it's going to be like for them as teenagers with this kind of pressure but I'm lucky that I've got you know great family and my husband and who's also in the industry but ignores all of it um just (laughs) so you know immune just just washes over him all of this stuff and I can take a leaf out of his book and just try Mm. and um you know, I think everything in life, even when I was doing a maths degree at Oxford, people would say, oh, only maths. Like you're not doing, you know, Japanese and German at the same time. Um, so you can't please all the people. And I think you just, you know, you, on social media, you get the same the same outfit you're wearing. Someone will tell you it's the worst thing they've ever seen. And the next person's, where can I buy this thing? So you just have to kind of tune out other people, I think, and answer to yourself. And that's all you can do. <laughs> Because it's interesting, maths is such a, a definite subject, isn't it? There is a right answer to things. There's no kind of, there's nobody saying, well, it could be five or it could be eight. You know, it's a definite thing. And the career that, that the industry that we both work in is obviously a little bit more nebulous. And there's not mm. like, you know, there's not a career route or a path to kind of get to where you want to be. It's not like starting out an accountancy firm and working your way up to being a partner. So it is also um financially you know you can have great years Mm. financially you can have years that are kind of you know slightly down a bit so in terms when it comes to planning are you quite good at that are you quite careful (laughs) and sensible um in some respects but in some respects you get uh, i think option paralysis because you're not you know i've got most of my friends are all really sensible they're all working for companies they have been for a long a long time and some of them are you know spreading their wings and going up themselves now but they've all had you know the company pension that's kind of you know, there and you just, it's easy. There's one option, you pay into it and your employer pays in. And I, because I've been 
on with various different companies and various different ways of being paid it's just kind of it's a bit different it's a little bit trickier um and I definitely need to get better especially now I've got I've got girls and I think I think with the babies it kind of focuses your mind and makes you a bit more forward thinking but then again you know the pandemic came in and you just can't count on anything <laughs> um in this industry especially I was thank you know grateful that countdown continued but but nothing else did obviously around the country for everyone for a long time but I'm I'm kind of I'm probably more risk averse the risk averse end of, of financial stuff um and I like to have you know a nest egg sitting there there's no way I'd spend all my money so have you got a certain amount that you always in your mind know is there just in case of you know things kind of going wrong I think you have to and you know from my upbringing um my dad's from Salford and I think that's you know his upbringing he was the first one in his family to go to uni they didn't have loads of money he takes cornflakes with him when he goes on holiday much to my mum's dismay. Embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, big pots of cold place. In case you can't buy them there. Um, so yeah, they've, they've um, you know, my mum, she wouldn't spend money on herself. She'd spend money on the kids, but they, they, they weren't extravagant or anything like that. So I've kind of been brought up, you know, learning the value of money. I've had a job since I was 15. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, especially when you, 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 you're 15, 16, 17 and it takes you a whole day and you can only work for one day to earn 25 quid and you, you yeah. don't want to go out and, and have to get a taxi home and that's all your money gone. So I'm quite careful in that respect. And in terms of how you look for the future and invest for the future, have you started to think about that? Have you got a plan? Oh, <laughs> Um, uh, because because the people that you went to university with, as you just yeah. mentioned, lots of them must work in the financial industry. You must. I mean, you nearly went down that road. So, would you take advice from friends, or do you kind of how do you how do you work? Yeah, out people. Your, your I think people you meet along the way, um, and yeah, friends in the industry as well, because it's such a specialist. It's just, it's just a different situation to the majority of my friends mm. from school and uni. And I think you know, seeing my dad's pension be you know get wiped out years ago. I mean, he's fan he's very, very financially astute. He was an, an internal auditor, so he's way well on top of all this stuff. But, you know, with the credit crunch, even the best financial planners um, saw their money kind of, you know, a lot of it evaporate. So I think property um, potentially one day <laughs> is going to be kind of a more stable route, I would hope. You're talking about investing in property. Are there other things that you invest in as well? Um, bits and pieces. It's kind of more more small fry, more more dabbling, more you know, trying to find my footing in that kind of thing, and getting all the way down the pension route, and then making other decisions <laughs> um, as COVID hits and as as finances change. But I think um, I think for me, I think if I can, I think property is probably going to be um, the nest egg for the future, and you know, thinking ahead to to the girls, um, something to to pass on, hopefully. I know your girls are really little, so I'm I'm hoping they don't have pocket money because they can't really spend it at the moment. But I mean, you never know. You might be giving them chores to do. Um, they will get a bit older and they'll start being very useful, Rachel. Let me tell you, there's all kinds of things kids can do. Emptying the dishwasher, you know, <laughs> taking the rubbish out. So um, have you yeah. got an idea in your own mind or what was your experience as a child? And would you use that experience to kind of have a pocket money strategy for them? Yeah, I'd like to. I mean, I, I've got, I think, a strong foundation with money. I know the value of it and I had to earn it. Um, and I remember, you know, talking of education as well, my mum would give me, I think it was like a pound per A at the end of the year. And I really looked forward to that. And that was kind of, you know, money in my pocket for having done something 
good. And I want to instill that in the girls for sure. Um, and I think having a job since I was 15 as well, you just earn, you just learn the value of money. So now I think I've, I've got more money than my parents had um, growing up. And, we, you know, we're a bit more, especially Pasha's a bit more loose with the spending than I might be. Um, so I think, yeah, there'll, there'll definitely be some kind of structure to earn, you know, to, to, to learn the value of a penny because you, you have you have to work for it don't you and you can only spend it once and I think it's a really important lesson that you yeah. have to learn early to 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 see through to as a competent adult financially yeah and they're very it's very different when it's their money they're spending I took my daughter shopping one day and she had some birthday money and and she agonized over an item in Topshop for hours because it was her money that she was parting with. <laughs> Whereas if I was buying it, it would have been at the till. We've been out of the shop. But it was really interesting watching her mindset shift suddenly and the yeah, decisions yeah, that yeah. had to be made. So it is really, I think, really useful. It's interesting what you say about Pasha there. Um, if there's one of you then that's going to make an impulse buy, it would be him, would it? He's just He was brought up just differently. So he came from Soviet Russia so when he was born, you know, they lived in a flat with no running water and an outside toilet and it got down to minus 30, minus 40 wow. degrees in the winter. And they just, there wasn't the money around. There wasn't things to buy either. Um, and I think going from that to suddenly being, you know, on So You Think You Can Dance and then Strictly Come Dancing, um, it's, it's just got a different relationship with money. So it's a little bit more like easy come, easy go. And he's, because he didn't, you know, have from an early age going out and get having a job or pocket money. There just wasn't that available. He's not as forward thinking. He's more, he's quite comfortable spending his money and then waiting for the next thing to come in. Whereas I could never, ever, ever spend all my money. I would have a heart attack. You know, I need to have like backup and plans and things like that. So we're, we're, we're very different. Um, so I'll be trying to get in there early for girls <laughs> <laughs> to have my influence rather than his. But looking at me and my brother and the differences between us, you might have one of each, who knows? And then obviously you'll listen to advice from people that you the trust around you. It sounds mm. like your dad's pretty um pretty canny. My dad my dad's good. Um and you know, and, and like I say, people in the industry who shall remain nameless, um, who've just got good <laughs> contacts, um, who know how to work, you know, slightly outside the box, slightly off the high street, off, you know, diff- different options that, that would that would suit us better. Um yeah. And I'm definitely because Pasha obviously is the same. He's in the same industry. He's in so. the same industry, and he's um he's yeah. he's he's not a UK citizen either. So he's um kind of come over from from the states, actually an American and a Russian citizen. Um, so it gets even more complicated when you look at that side of things because it's not straightforward. British, you know, even ten, in terms of inheritance for the for the children, I think if 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 Pasha were to get half, then the, he'd had have to pay tax um in the american system but you know it just gets more and more complicated unfortunately um yeah so we're in a bit of a bit of a, a tangled financial situation and need you need expert advice and i think you know however numerate you are you still need to ask the experts um and then use your gut and use your you know risk aversion comfort levels um to make your own decisions and how do you keep on top? Is it like training to be an athlete when you're the countdown maths person? Do you have to keep doing stuff all the time or is the show enough to keep that kind of speed? I used to. I used to. I used to um, I used to practice all the time. There's um, an app that one of our former contestants designed where you can go online and you can literally play in pretty much any language you want. And you can sit and you can play countdown numbers games with, you know, three seconds to look at it or even a split second. And it goes and all these variants um, and I used to play those all the time, but now it's it's kind of a bit more embedded. I think I've done, th- oh, I've done over three thousand shows, 
plus, you know, a couple of hundred cats. So you must have had the same numbers come up again. Oh, who <laughs> with the same um, <laughs> I used to beat myself up if I didn't get the numbers game as well. I'd, you know, I'd be really cross with myself. And now I think hopefully I've, I've proved my worth. And um, yeah. I still, I wouldn't let anyone ever tell me even a hint of how the answer it should go if I miss it. But I don't, you know, take it home and cry if I miss one. <laughs> but do you uh, do you also kind of sometimes go, yeah, well done, Rachel. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was there are, good I still, there. I'm still that a massive loser. Like sometimes if I know it's a really good solution, um, I, my like, my heart will kind of go while I'm writing it up. I'm trying to, it's ridiculous. That's how much of a geek I am in terms of the numbers. Because, you know, you know, some of them are really easy. Some of them are, there's only one solution. And, you know, some app will tell you some, there's a random percentage. It's 97% difficult whatever that wherever they've got that figure from but yeah there are occasionally ones where I just think ah that's good I'm going to remember that one (laughs) (laughs) and so your book tell me a little bit about it and and why I should buy a copy and what it'll do for me it's aimed at adults and it's aimed at anyone who needs a bit of a helping hand when it comes to maths and I was inspired to write it because people often send me on social media they send me their kids maths homework questions or you know like, what are you supposed to do that for free I know I love it I really like it and I used to, you know even from school I used to help my friends because that you know I was always that one in the class and like Rach how does this how do I do this how does this work or the, the teacher would use my answers as the marking sheet um I was always a geek but I really enjoy it and I, I find like the, the buzz of, of of helping other people as well because it's just the right way of thinking about things and something can be unlocked and one of the most frequent things that people tell me about their maths from school is, I don't remember how to work out a percentage. I don't remember the formula for. And for me, it's not about remembering anything. That's one of the things I love about maths. It's about working things out. And if you have the fundamentals, if you have the basics, if you understand where these things have, have arisen from, then there's nothing to forget because it's something that you can work out for yourself and it allows you to use those tools to solve real world problems, whether that's in your financial planning um, or your kids' homework, um, or, you know, like I say, decorating your bathroom. You can use those mathematical skills um, in, a, in a helpful, realistic way. Um, so I'm hoping this book will do that. And let's be honest, Rachel, you writing this book means that you don't have to answer people on social media all the time. You just say, look, just go read the book, <laughs> all right? And it saves you a lot of time. Well, I, I enjoy it. I said it, it's, it's something called nerd whacking. Um, and people stand outside like MIT with a, with a problem on a, on, a, on a piece of you know, cardboard. And people like me just have to solve these things. And it, it's really just distracting. Um, and my friend that sent this question of the day, I was about to drive off, you know, drive home from from shopping. And I, I just had to sit there in the car and give them the answer and work it out before I, because I'm a nerd. <laughs> so who was it that helped you to, to kind of believe that you could be a woman mathematician and be great at it? Well, I was really lucky in that I, I think I won my first prize for being clever. You know, that's what how, how I took it when I was about five or six. And before that, I had no concept of if I was doing well. I didn't, you know, didn't know that anyone was looking or measuring or anything. And then I won a prize and was like, oh, this is quite nice, quite like this. Um, and then growing up, my I went to an all-girls grammar school and we had um, a headmistress who, uh, it, it wasn't even a question of boys being better than girls. It wasn't, it wasn't a question. It wasn't on our radars that there was a difference. It wouldn't have even crossed our minds. So it wasn't until I got to uni and you get a few boys there thinking that they're better than you. 
um, that you, where have you got this idea from? <laughs> Not familiar with this. I think it's rubbish. Um, but now, you know, trying to be um, an ambassador as such and trying to go in and encourage girls and encourage whoever from whatever backgrounds to, to get into maths and STEM and tell them they can do it. Um, you know, I've seen that actually, you know, from the age of five, girls start to believe that brilliance is a male trait. And if you don't think you're as good as someone else at, at a particular subject, you're probably less likely to go on and, and study it to a higher level. So I think there's, you know, so much work to be done that's really easy work in terms of psychology and the way we talk about maths and, and you know, having it as a more of a positive thing in this country rather than a, a badge of honour to say I'm rubbish at it. That's my, my drum banged. <laughs> yeah, what you do in that area is so important. And I love when you are, you know, kind of banging that drum because I saw it with my own daughter when she was about... 10 she literally was crying well didn't ever want to do maths again had a teacher that told her she was really rubbish at it and even on mm. parents evening this teacher went bright red with fury and she was in the fifth set of five and by the time she got to do her GCSE she was doing further maths and she was nearly doing maths A wow. level you know because she because at the age of 13 she happened upon an incredible teacher Brilliant. and I and I remember thinking, what is this teacher doing? What's happened to my daughter? She loves yeah. maths. And so I went to parents' evening and this woman was incredible. She had nine kids of her own, right? So first of all, this woman's got incredible patience. And, <laughs> wow. and, and I said, thank you so much for whatever you've done. And she just looked at me really kind of matter-of-fact and went, maths is great. Yeah, <laughs> and I, she I, just kind of, and she was, yeah. I love that. And the resilience your daughter must have um, to ignore that first teacher. I think it is all about that one inspiring teacher and when I was, at, yeah. I was at school, I was the only person doing further maths. Um, I was the only one doing it. Um, and then a new head of maths came in, Sarah Inbush, who was working in the city, got disillusioned with working in the city, went and became a maths teacher. And a couple of years later, she had 30 girls doing further wow. maths A-level um, out of 150 in the year. I mean, it just shows what a difference that one person can make and one person believing in you um, can make to someone's life. And she's got these girls, you know, going online and, and helping all the neighbouring schools and the younger kids. And that, you know, not only helps them, um, but it cements yeah. the ideas in your own mind as well. So it's just that that one inspirational teacher or that, you know, that one person who believes in you. Um, and contrary to that, that one awful person who tells you you're rubbish. Why? What are they thinking? Why have you gone into teaching if you want to discourage kids? I don't get it. And what are you going to, where are you, is that ever going to help anybody? Just, you know, giving them such, because it became, you could see the physical, shutter, the shutters came down, yeah. you know, and there was, there was an absolute block in terms of belief. And that applies to any subject and any area of life, doesn't it? That, you know, how your words can make such an impact. But um, mm. you're, uh, you're absolutely not that person. And uh, good luck with the book. <laughs> and uh, and good luck, much. of course, with the babies. You're talking to us while you've got, um, two children still technically under one. You've got a one-year-old and a baby, so and you're managing to do this. So very well done uh, on juggling. the juggle as well. Juggling, thanks. <laughs> I not literally juggling. But, uh, no, but yeah. obviously it takes it takes a team, doesn't it? It takes a village to bring Take, up a baby. Oh, I always doesn't remember it? that, doesn't it? Just yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks, so. Russia. Thanks to his mother as well. <laughs> mother-in-laws, ah. Russian mother-in-laws. It's the way forward. Are they called babushkas or is Barb that, she's, um, called, she's babushka? Yeah, babushka, babushka. Oh, how, yeah. how lovely to have one in Barbushka's your house. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> lovely to chat, Rachel. Thank you so much. Best of luck with everything. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, it's time for our AI expert slot and Moira O'Neill, Head of Personal Finance, joins us now. Hi, Moira. Hi, Gabby. 
Obviously, Rachel has an incredible brain for figures and numbers, and it's an absolute joy to her, isn't it, just to spend an evening doing some equations. Not everybody is quite so confident, are they? And if you're looking to get involved in DIY investing for the first time, what are the key numbers that you need to consider when you're looking at any investment? Okay, well, maths is so important. And our research has shown that half of the population don't understand uh, the compounding uh, of investments and the how fees uh, that relate to investments can mount up. So even very small amounts. So say you think you're paying uh, half a percentage on your investments um, and people don't realise that on £50,000 that can amount to £250 in in, fee- in fees a year. Um, but also things like that, when it feels like it's a very small amount that you're paying on your investments, over a long period, so 10, 20, even 30 years, those very, very small things that drip out of your investments every year can mount up to really huge amounts when you come to retire or you come to realise your, your money that's, that's grown over the years. And so it's very, very important for us as investors to make sure that we keep an eye on charges. And it's much more important than a lot of people think. But likewise, you know, the power of compound interest is something I think is a great bit of maths that should be taught to everybody because that is how even small amounts of investments that you put aside uh, on a regular basis can mount up to substantial amounts over many years. And I think people often put off investing because they don't realise this immense power that they have. So even if you're putting aside £25 a month, incrementally over years it can grow and grow and grow and compound up. There's another great maths lesson, Gabby, which is all about um, uh, Jack and Jill. So uh, this is about the importance of starting investing early. So Jill, the sensible one, starts investing at age 20 and invests the same amount up to every month up to the age of 40, and then she stops investing. Jack, who's not as sensible and not as knowledgeable, starts investing at 40 and finishes at uh, 60 and they both effectively put aside the same amount of money but Jill does so much better because she started early even small amounts invested between the ages of 20 and 40 can stand you in such good stead for retirement I think that's a lesson that should be taught in all schools it's so hard isn't it for young people to kind of get their head around that because especially when it's your first salary your first income you know real income that you've ever earned apart from weekend jobs and the idea of giving some of it to you know kind of a a hole somewhere that you're not going to see for a long time is for young people I think it's getting your head around that but as you say if the education comes in earlier and it's not something that comes as a surprise in your mid-20s it just might be conditioning people to get ready for that maybe it's cultural almost Absolutely. As soon as that people start their first jobs, they'll be offered uh, to join the pension scheme. And that's a really important thing to do, because not only are you starting putting money aside for a secure future, you're also getting free money from the government. You're getting tax relief on your contributions. And the maths behind that is amazing, too. I mean, if you don't take advantage of that and potentially employer contributions on top of that as well, then you're really throwing money away and you're throwing all the compounding that you can get on that those small contributions at the start of your career you're throwing all of that away over the years too yeah and obviously people um, don't get that kind of investment education at school do they so where can people go where can they kind of increase their knowledge in this area 
Well, some teachers in schools are doing amazing jobs with teaching basic personal finance and money lessons to kids, even starting in primary school. Uh, and we know this because we run a Teacher of the Year award relating to personal finance. So we some see some of the amazing entries that they do. They teach children about wants and needs and the difference. And they teach kids to budget. They sometimes introduce a, a currency within the school so kids can learn to use the shop, etc. And and and. Teenagers are taught amazing things about the stock market in some schools, but it's not there firmly embedded into the national curriculum. So teachers are are struggling across the country to deliver this kind of education. And our research has shown that investors and older members of the family really want to pass on those financial money skills to younger members of their family. They think it's more important to deliver financial education than it is to actually pass on real money, real wealth to your children. And I I think that's really a great thing. You know, so older investors mentoring younger members of their family or their friends to start investing is is a thing that they want to do. And um, so as a result, Interactive Investor has introduced friends and family. So that's a product that for an extra £5 a month, you can gift uh, the gift of free investing to five people. And it's backed up by a huge amount of education. So we've we've developed um, a lesson plan to help you get started investing. It's based around video, few articles, nothing that's too challenging. I know Rachel talked a lot about, um, you know, wanting to take professional advice. You don't have to do that. You can learn very simple things that can stand you in good stead and can help you achieve amazing financial goals. There are some simple things you can do. Um, You can learn about fun and investment trusts for example and that's probably all you need to know and you can we can teach you uh, ways to identify good investments too thanks for listening if you have time please like and follow the ii family money show and leave us a review or rating in your podcast app you can find loads of ideas on how to plan for you and your family's future at ii.co.uk i'll see you next time